listeners, it's Pepsi, and I'm here to present to you the 2022 Greater Western Sydney season preview. I could only get the best when it came to the GWS. I've reached out far and wide, and we have secured ourselves. We have got the aficionado in everything to do with the Greater Western Sydney Giants. We have PM Bangers from the subreddit on Reddit, GWS style. Great man, welcome to Lace Out. Peps, thanks for having me. Um, I feel like, oh, geez, you could get done for false advertising me, uh, calling me the best, but I'm glad that you're backing me. Anyone who responds to me is the best. That's what I, look, anyone can be the best, but if you're putting your agates on the chopping board to say, hey, I'm willing to give my opinion, you're the best in my eyes. Rightio, GWS. Geez, they've had an interesting number of years, the last few, haven't they? They've been up and down. They had that grand final appearance there. We call them the Ferrari down here in Melbourne. We just think that they're going to take over the world. And they, they like I've said on previous, they're the Ferrari running on two cylinders yeah. at the moment. They just can never get the third or the fourth clicking. They've done it once, which they made a grand final, got blown completely out of the water. 2021 was interesting, the way they finished it. Like at one stage you thought, how are they going to even get close to finals? And they were able to, and more importantly, win one. Yep due to injuries and probably a couple other factors, didn't get across the line to Geelong. So there is a bit of optimism there. Got the great man, Toby Green, who who I have a secret man crush on. I love him. Just love everything he does about footy. It's going to be an interesting year for the Giants. Give us a bit of an idea. How do you see it happening? How do you see 2022 um, panning out for the big, big sound from the west of town? Look, we're obviously a young club, but um, over our short history, I've learned never to be too optimistic about the Giants because, you know, there's no other team that's going to fail your expectations quite like the Giants. But I think it'll be a good year. Um, as you said, we ended the season last year really well and we got some games into some of our youngsters. And I think we're starting to see that we're relying less on um, a smaller core of elite players, a- apart from Toby, who obviously is just so important to our structure. So, I'm looking forward to, you know, this year being one where we see almost a transition from relying on the likes of Whitfield and Kelly and um, Davis in the back line and seeing guys like Sam Taylor and Jacob Hopper and Tom Green really take the next step. Yeah, it's really interesting when you look at your list and your sort of profile. You've got that that really solid core that we've known for probably five or six years now. Yeah. And then there's a gap of, in all due respect, no names that were like, I don't know enough about him, and I don't know enough about him because, like you said, the the the, um, the Canelios, Callies, Toby Green, Reed. Um, I'm just trying to throw some other ones in there. Finlayson, obviously, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, Phil Davis, Matt DeBall, all, like all these sort of guys have been around for. Well, I've seen them grow from kids into men, mm. and now we've had them as such a focus for so long. The newer ones that are sliding in, we don't know enough about them because we don't see them yeah. every single. We don't see them every single week. Yeah, yeah. So out of that current crop or the, or the new ones, you know, sprouting, does there anyone sort of catch your eye so far from what you've seen, from what you've heard? Yeah. Um, so Tom Green, I think, is the obvious one. He was our sort of first pick or not first pick, but our big academy selection in 2019. And he's sort of just gone stride from stride, improving each year. And from what we're hearing, it, it looks like he'll get some more time in the midfield this year and his fitness is the best it's ever been. Um, but, 
you know, we, we do naturally hear that about a lot of players at a lot of clubs. Oh, but mate, I can tell you, there's 18 clubs flying at the moment. Sorry, oh, yeah. Adelaide are not flying. Adelaide we're, we're, are not doing anything. They're shocking. We're, we're training the house down um, yeah. by all reports. But yeah. everybody's setting PBs, yeah. Yeah, Green, Green's probably the one to watch um, there. You know, I think we'll see a more contested focus from our side this year just based on what we're seeing from Matt Sim and what we're hearing about who's playing where. So, and you know, he, he's a contested beast. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to him taking the next step. I think Tanner Brun was our first selection in the 2020 on draft. My list. Yep. Yeah. Um, so he's he got a few games last year and he's just such a classy player. Um, he probably didn't get the midfield opportunities that we would have liked to see because he is a really hard at it player when he's in the midfield as well. And that combination of class and yep. Hardness isn't easy to find, but, you know, we're thinking that he'll probably fill in that Toby Green role for the first sort of five, six rounds where Toby won't be there. So that'll be a really exciting prospect to see him sort of grow into that role and hopefully continue on even when Green returns. Yeah, we've got to speak about the great man because I don't think you're a football lover if you don't like Toby Green. I know people love him or people hate him, but I can tell you what, there's 17 other clubs, maybe 16 if you don't count the Bulldogs, that would love to have him on their list. All right. So from the inside uh, sanctum of the uh, of the forums with with the GWS supporters, etc., what was the consensus with what happened? Not more about the actual incident because we saw it. Everybody saw yeah. it. But the six weeks that he got. Yeah, look, what do you reckon? I, th- I think your facial reaction sort of sums it up there for us. Is we were very confused, um, but you know it's sort of to be expected with how respecting the umpires is spoken about, even if actions don't always um, reflect what the AFL is trying to push. But, you know, it was pretty clear cut that he's touched an umpire. Um, the AFL is going to get what they want in that circumstance. So I think we were pretty happy when he got the initial, I think it was four initially. Oh, they, they pumped yeah. up a few extra. Um, and then, yeah, when we heard that there was the appeal, we we're like, all right, well, we're missing him for the first three, five, six games of next year. It's going to be tough because I think you, you start – isn't exactly an easy one either. So, and he's just like if you have a look at what he did. I know he turned a game against Melbourne last year mm. at uh, the MCG last year when you beat the D's. He he was the one who took that game. Like if you, if you watch the, the the comments rolling through or the commentary, it was green, green, green. Yeah. He was just tearing it apart too. And he's a massive gap to fill because it's not just his. He has that bravado about him. Yeah, but he can back it up as well too. Yeah, oh, and that's that's what that's what everybody loves about him. Yeah, he plays on the edge, but they're the ones that we really really like. Yeah. Now, another couple of people that I want to bring my eyes to, uh, Tim Taranto, he's just getting better and better. Oh, isn't what, he? What, what's, what's he going to be? Like, what's the community reckon about, like, that guy? Because by the fact he's got, you know, he's got 10% added toughness with his tats. Yeah. Loves a good thigh tat. But what is it about Timmy Taranto that the, the community can be hearing or thinking, hey, 2022, where's he going to go? Yeah, we're hoping so. But I think realistically just with our midfield, depth and the rotations through there and you know I've already spoken about Green will probably be stepping up into a more permanent role so Taranto will probably spend his time forward where you know he's had moments where he's been effective like he kicked four goals against Richmond last year when he was stationed up forward for half the game so we're hoping that he can develop into that role and be sort of a genuine game-changing mid forward um, because it's sort of it's going to have to happen for him and probably a few of our other midfielders for them to I guess remain at the top Another one I have to ask about, when you were talking about goals, he started like a house on fire and then sort of fizzled out towards the end a little bit was uh, 
Mr. Riccardi, Jake Riccardi. Now, uh, where, yeah. What's going on with him? Because at one stage they were thinking there are going to be clubs throwing dollars at this guy to get him back down to Melbourne. Yeah. Hasn't said that way. He's going to be there till at least the end of 2023. Is there a spot for this guy? Because if if there isn't, I'm starting to wonder, well, is he going to hang around? It, what are your it, thoughts? Yeah. It's a hard one because I feel like our key forward, <clears throat> sorry, our, our KPF sort of list is underwhelming overall, I think. You know, Hogan, I think, is a really good player when he's up and about, but how often is he actually on field? He's injured a lot. Himmelberg is sort of more of a, you know, he plays like he's smaller than he is. So I think there's that opportunity um, for um, Riccardi to come in and impact, but it's sort of hard to say because I think that, what Himmelberg brings is that when he's not taking marks and he's not impacting up forward is he pushes up the ground, he offers that defensive pressure and he has that sort of second um, one wood to his game where he can be a link-up player. Hogan's always going to take contested marks. That's his specialty, whereas Riccardi sort of, if he's not getting them laced out to him, he can struggle a bit to impact. And then uh, he was trialled in the back line in the NIFL and he did well there, but it just didn't translate at AFL level. So is he going to be one of these guys that could be a Good AFL level, sorry, VFL level player, but may not be able to have that consistency at that at the AFL level just yet. Because how old is he? 20, 23? I, th- I think he's only twenty two still. So 22, 23. Yeah, he is still young for a key position player. So there's that promise, and obviously, like he hasn't had that extended amount of time in AFL environment like others have. Like he's been on the list during the COVID affected season, so it's hard to, I guess say that his development has been subpar because he's probably just doing the best with the opportunities he's gotten. Um, But, yeah, I'm optimistic for him. I think that he's got a lot of weapons. He's a good lead-up player in the forward line particularly, and his patterns are really impressive. So if he can maybe find a few ways to impact the game other than lead-up marking, then I think he'll be a really good player. Now, you mentioned about your forward stocks. Massive, massive fan of Hogan. Like, when he was at my club, love him to death. Like, he was just awesome. You can understand why he went back to Fremantle. Didn't work out. He's at your club now. And I think we saw some signs in a couple of games. I know the Adelaide game was one that it stood out a little bit where he was getting a little bit of that mojo back. Yeah. And as the season wore on and he got some more consistency on the park and his body was feeling consistent, he started to show a little bit of that old old Jessiness about him. What do you what, is there expectation on him to take that next level? Or is there, hey, just just build into it slowly? Yeah, I think um supporters probably want him to take that next step pretty quickly, but all the messaging from the club has sort of suggested that we're happy to let him bide his time, I guess, and work into it. Cause obviously he's got that um, injury history, which just consistently cutting down. So we're just happy to have him on the park, but I think he's one that if he does get a consistent run at it, he's going to, you know, really you know, trouble opposition defenders as he has done in the past. Well, it's not just his strength. He's an aerobic beast as yeah. well too. Like he can, he can cover the paddock and there were circumstances last year where you'd see him up the ground, down back, I think there was the game that you drew down at. I think I'm. Oh, Launceston. He was up and back at, yeah. at that particular. And you're thinking, mate, this is what we want to see. He's ha- he had a bad run with Melbourne his last year, where he had three things happen to him in the space of a year. Yeah. It, was, it was no good, and sort of struggled to get back. But really, fingers crossed for that. But the, on the flip side, you lose Jeremy Finlayson, which I think a few people were a little bit surprised. Well, I know I was that he had gone. Not to port, but he left the Giants because it was like his position to lose. How big of an impact is that going to be for your for your mob this year? Yeah, this and is probably going to fill in that spot. Yeah, th- this is probably one that may be a bit polarizing amongst um, the few GW supporters there are because 
Um, I, I personally like Finlayson to me was a lot like how I've just described Riccardi is that he can do some magnificent things, but when things aren't going his way, he's almost absent. Like I think we saw 2019 grand final. I hate bringing that up, but mm. he barely touched the ball because it wasn't getting down in the forward line and he just doesn't have the work rate to get himself into the game in other ways. So, it, and that's why he was initially switched from the back line to the forward line because he just doesn't have that, I guess, defensive instinct or that drive to yeah really get involved. So it's disappointing to lose a player that is good for averaging sort of a goal a game or a goal and a half a game. But I'm probably more optimistic about seeing guys like Riccardi or Himmelberg or the opportunity to play two rucks given the chance. Mm. So who, the two rucks, because Mummy's gone. Yep. He, he's at his fourth retirement. Yeah, you never know. Well, he, he could be, he could be back by round five. You never know. So who's going to take the rucks? Because you've got a couple of young blokes floating around now that can sort of slot into yep. that. Who are, those, who are those ones that you so, can see? Like taking number one and number two. Yeah, Matt Flynn is the one that everyone's most optimistic about, I feel. So he was a 2013 draftee and he's even when Mummy was sort of still moving well in 2017 and 2018, is Flynn was the one that the club was talking up as sort of the successor um, and he's had some injury issues, but he did get on the park last year and he impressed. He impressed when he was on there. He's, he's good in the ruck, he's good with his follow-up work, but he can play forward really effectively as well, which I think is something that's so valuable for rucks is to be able to spend as much time on ground as possible and not just be, you know, a participant out there, but have an impact. Um, and then obviously like our second big contender is probably Braden Pruce and he missed oh, last Prucy. year. Yeah, big, big Melbourne legend I hear. So, oh, we're a big fan of Prucy. I think everybody loves Prucy. I think people who watch football are just having a crack. Like Ruckman, yeah. they're big and dopey, right? But they're having a crack and that's what it's all about. Like, And we see Prucy running around. He came to Melbourne and, look, he was stuck behind Gorn, but you also got to remember he trained with Gorn all yeah. that time. And then when things happened, Gorn goes down or whatever, he was able to step in yeah. and he got that opportunity at GWS. So good luck to him. And I, he's another one I think a lot of people just want to see. We just want to see them get on the yeah, park. just, just want to see, see him what out they, there. Exactly, because yeah. that's all we want. Hey, now, I've got to talk to you about your backline now because there's a gentleman by the name of Phil Davis. Yeah. First player to virtually join the club. Um, how much longer has he got? Yeah, I, I don't think much longer. <laughs> and as bad as that sounds, because I love what Davis has done for the club, but with how football is developing, he's just not, he's not athletic enough to be able to do it week to week. And that's why, like, Sam Taylor is now easily our main key defender. Um, we've seen Nick Haynes sort of have to play a more defensive role at times recently, which has been disappointing, but you know, happens. Um, we've gotten Jared Brander in as a delisted free agent from West Coast, and he's apparently been training in the back line, which is an exciting proposition. Has he been training in the house, Dan? Uh, look, uh, I'm not sure. I don't want to put uh, any big calls out there, but I'd be surprised if he's not all Australian at this point. <laughs> um, and then not this a, a, year? Oh, yeah, surely. surely no, 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 no. Remember, the, a year that they should make it, they defer it to the year oh, after right, because right, yeah. apparently they haven't earned it unless you nickname. <laughs> Um, and then we actually drafted a mature age um, player from the Sandford with pick 15 in the draft just gone in Lecalier. And he's a like he's a really impressive specimen. Like he's so, so athletic. Um, his contested marking is next level. Um, he's, he's a little bit raw on the football side of things. Like his skills aren't great. But, you know, I think given maybe half a season of work on that, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in and be a really big player for us. 
bangers. There's a lot of players playing in the AFL. I don't know if you've noticed that don't really have that much of a, a skill base. Um, they're, they're great athletes, but they can't kick. All right, yeah. so he should fit in quite nicely if he's got that beautiful aerobic base. Maybe we'll have two all Australian key defenders then. In there the you are. Oh, you got to get them past my boys, mate, May and Lever. But we'll, that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> right, yeah. So the back line, Hainsy, love a bit of Hainsy, and I love a bit of Sam Taylor as well too. Yeah. They're, they're just Haynes is one of those guys that I think when they when they plan for teams, I know you've got your midfield, but he's one you've got to stop because yeah, he's, he's got so much run. He locks down on players and he's able to, to stop them. There's not many yeah. backmen that can stop but also go the other way and be yeah. really, really um, destructive that way. Rightio. So um, North Melbourne's uh, next recruit, Josh Kelly, was your <laughs> shooty medalist last year. Uh, now, is this guy the biggest tease? Because at the moment I watch him and they keep going, oh, Melbourne should have taken Kelly instead of Salem, et cetera. It keeps going on. But I look at the two and I go, I think I'd take Salem over Kelly. I don't know if I'm seeing something. Like, I think he's good. But, like, is it the name factor over what he's producing? Because uh, I don't know if I'm, if, I, if I'm not seeing something. So convince me that Josh Kelly is the Josh Kelly that's being hyped <laughs> because I don't see it at the moment. Yeah, well, he's, he's my absolute favourite player. So well, I, there I'm you go. I'm in trouble now. Um, yep. But, yeah, look. What I makes think- him your favourite player? Well, look, it's the at the start of his career, Kelly was probably given, I guess, a bit more of a, a free role where he could do what he wanted. Um, and over the last couple of years in particular, he's almost taken a step back to, I guess, facilitate um, the ability to use guys like Callan Ward and Jacob Hopper in a better capacity. But he's still just, he's such a class player. Like his disposal is so strong. He kicks with both feet, which is a massive thing in football for me. He's fast. Um, he, he's got a good endurance. But I think last year he actually impressed me almost more than he ever has because he was able to impact the scoreboard and really step up in big moments. So in our games against Sydney, especially that final, like he stepped up and kicked a couple of goals and he was winning clearances and he just looked unstoppable. But I guess the downside is that he's not a greatly strong contested player. So when he's not getting the ball fed to him by our inside beast, then it's maybe a little bit hard for him to impact at a level that you'd like. Yeah, and look, I'll, I'll be honest. That happens. That happens everywhere. Like, you're, yeah, I think you're either going to be a, a really good outside or really good inside or very good at both. I yeah, think, I don't think you can be awesome at both. And if you are, there's only one or two that are able to yeah. do, like a Dusty, like a perfect example of it. Yeah, yeah. He's going to grow. He's a big unit. Like he's six foot. I thought he'd actually be taller. So I said a big unit, but he's actually <laughs> six foot. I thought he would be taller. So he's probably the. He's actually smaller than most midfielders going around. Which moment. is weird because you think 183, it's, it's not short in the general well, population. Trixie's going around at 190 plus, so he's a midget compared to him. Yeah. But I, I will I will say he was actually pretty good in that final last yeah. year, especially especially um, the way the way that you won it. Oh, love it. <laughs> it. It was a good – and you beat Essendon, and everybody knows I have a, a very, very dark spot for Essendon, so if you can beat Don's. Oh, look, I'd love to take that um, take that compliment, but we beat Sydney. It was the Bulldogs that beat oh. Essendon. <laughs> so I just love the way he played in that final last yeah. year. The way <laughs> the, the way you beat Sydney, he was sensational. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, and and that's what I'm talking about. He steps up in the big moments, and I guess that's why he's so valuable to us. And I know that there's 
some hot discussion, um, you know, whenever he plays poorly about, oh, is he really worth a million a year? But, you know, I think what he does in the big moments, yeah, it, it's worth it. Well, I think for the first time in a while you'd have, you'd have some salary cap space, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, Especially with if Davis Cameron goes. Leaving. Yeah, because yeah, you've had a so, couple leave. Yeah. It, and the other I guys have been signed is, up for a while too. Yeah, New South Wales probably isn't the the best attraction to get big big name players though. Is our biggest issue. So I like what we've been doing recently, which is sort of drafting players that we believe we can hold on to. And I think yeah. that in the recent years, you know, everyone re-signing has showed that. So I think that's probably the way that we're going to have to build. If we could get a big fish, that'd be great. But you don't want to sort of waste it for the sake of getting a big fish. Yeah, I think what we've noticed, especially over the last couple of years with COVID, with the salary cap being reduced, you can't get the big fish because you're a million plus short of what you're being able to yeah. offer. So you're not going to be able to get the big fish. But if you can get a couple of mid-sized fish and bring them in, and I like the way if you're drafting, especially from that New South Wales region, mm. if you can draft from that pool, why would they want to go anywhere else? Because it's closer to home. They can stay within the state. They're not going to get locked out by Dan yeah. Andrews or uh, good old Marky Mark over there in Perth. They're going to be able to go and visit family, et cetera. Um, rightio, Cornelio, captain still at the moment? Well, yeah, Sort of. I mean, when you've got three captains, it's hard to call any of them captains. I know. What's going on with him? Because at one stage he was he was one of the, I would have to say, almost one stage top five player in the yeah. league. And that, that's a big call to make. And then what's happened? Is that is it the, is the captaincy taken over? Has he not been able to just concentrate on his footy? Because this is on the back of his mind. Yeah. Contract talks. What What do you see from your perspective? It's probably hard to nail down to one reason. I think it'd be sort of a combination of a few things. I'm not sure if you watched the um, Amazon Prime documentary during 2020, but, yeah, through that I think it was pretty obvious that he felt a lot of pressure as captain and maybe that he didn't believe his leadership was that good at times. So that would always sort of impact you in any facet of life. And then I think last year obviously he came back and he had the poor 2020 season. He wasn't that bad, I think, for what, he was deployed in doing but you know he's he's a midfielder I don't think you can force someone like Cornelio to adapt to being a forward pocket player when you know he's captain he's a big game player he, he's another one that loves sort of the inside ball and being able to feed it out so it's it's hard to pin entirely on him um, but the good news is that apparently he'll be playing mostly in the midfield this year. Oh, Did he have an interrupted start to the year last year as well? Oh, I, I can't remember from the top of my head I, i'd say so because from memory he didn't play in our first few games and um i think like people were making the jokes about him still being dropped um, yeah no the, the reason why i say that is is that if you've got that interrupted pre-season yeah is, so you're, you're, you're behind the eight ball as it is yeah. you, you you want to be that four cylinder that v8 let's just say but yeah. if you're only running on four no matter what you do by the time you get to eight Everyone else has been there, gone. yeah. Exactly. And so it's, it's going to be hard. But if he's had his full preseason, it's also going to give him more confidence in his body and it's also going to give him more confidence in the mind as well. Yeah, which absolutely. Is, which is what he needs. Now, before we get into sort of the, the nitty-gritty as we look into the season, not just from a GWS but a little bit further, James Hurd. What have yeah. you heard about Hurdy's influence so far? Because let's be honest, down here in Melbourne, when we heard Hurdy was going yeah. to GWS, etc., it's like, okay, did he did – he, Pack the jabs, or they, you know, did he did he take Danky with him? They were all like the sub yeah. lots being asked as we go through this. But 
what have you heard so far about his influence? Because it's James Hurd. He's a big I name. I think he's got still yeah. a lot to offer. He is a big name. He has a presence. When he walks through the door, people go, hey, get a haircut. But yeah. besides that, yeah, he, he's Brello medalist, Norm Smith medalist, you name it, he's done it. Yeah. What are you hearing? Um, not much, to be honest. Like, I'm oh. still a little bit confused about what his role is because he was sort of signed as a leadership consultant. So I guess, like, I think Billy Slater had a similar thing at St Kilda, but then we've been hearing that he's had an impact on training at times. So if he's been brought on and he's able to, I guess, offer assistance to our coaching and game plans and that, then that's that's an absolute win in my mind, you know, regardless of controversy. He's got a great football brain. We all know that. So that's good. Um, you know, he's been a leader at a club, you know, when it's struggled and on its absolute needs at times. So I think that he's got a lot to offer as a leadership consultant, especially for, you know, guys like Canelio, who's had his noted issues, Green, who's had his noted issues, and then Kelly, who not so much noted issues, but, you know, people have asked questions there as well. So it, it'll be good to see his impact through the squad, and I'm hoping that, you know, it's more than just a leadership role. Yeah, I think from a mentor perspective, sometimes they just need that that person that they mm. can chat to. And the thing is with your coaching group, you didn't change anybody last year. You virtually have not added anybody to your yeah, coaching I, group. Yeah, I think we lost one or two. Yeah, you lost, yeah, you lost one, which I've got his name, but. He wasn't anyone that I went, ooh, you've lost him. <laughs> but to have him on board, so it just goes they've got the consistency with you with your assistant coaches, et cetera. Yeah. Haven't heard you there. It could be just a diff just a small different voice from a leadership perspective. Yeah, absolutely. You, now you went eleven and ten last year. Okay. You always had that draw against North. Yeah. Leon Cameron. Okay. This is the last one I want to ask about your your group in particular. Leon Cameron, he's been there for for many, many years. He's taken you to the five of the last six final series, mm. so he's got he's he's got the runs on the board. But he reminds me a little bit of um, Cameron Green in the Test team. Like he can get a sixty, and he can and he can get consistency like one or two, three wickets if you know what I mean. But he hasn't had that big bag. He hasn't had that, that hundred. Like it's almost yeah. he can't get to that next. That echelon. Now I know there was there was the preliminary finals, etc., and there was a grand final. But yeah, there just seems to be. Can he take them to the, you know, the the, the hallowed ground or the hallowed grand final? Hold that cup up. Um, yeah, um, it, it's an excellent question. I don't think anyone really knows. Um, you know, really polarizing amongst the general AFL community, let alone the GWS community. So, um, you know. I think some people think that he is the right guy for it and maybe he just needs more um, assistance with assistant coaches. Maybe he needs some, you know, more experienced heads in or just some someone to offer different ideas, which, you know, we just spoke about. Hopefully Heard can be someone like that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like he's always sort of been noted as maybe a relationships coach, so he builds good connections with players and gains their support. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to argue with, what happens on field is that we're inconsistent. Um, we struggle when we're against momentum and yeah, we haven't really been able to perform in any massive matches apart from when we play Sydney, which we always seem to play well. And then the Collingwood um, preliminary final. Oh, I was a corker. That, oh, was that that game? Corker. <laughs> Almost got the snot beaten out of me. Don't, don't drink, by the way, listeners, don't drink too many Jimmy cans. Barrack for GWS right near the Collingwood cheer squad. Not a good idea. All right. So, yeah, that was a cracker of a game, I must admit. Um, all righty. 
Let's go through it. So 11 and 10, are you going to go better than 11 and 10 and one draw this year, 2022? Oh, uh, look, if, if I had to give a concrete answer, uh, optimistically, I'd say yes. But yep. I think more realistically, we'll probably be around the same mark. All right, around the same. Okay, let's put the crystal ball out. Let's put the agates on the chopping board, as I said many, many times before. Premiers for 2022, who is it going to be and why? Oh, look, it's hard to look past Melbourne as it always is with the reigning premiers. Um, you know, I think just how you played all year last year was phenomenal. And then the fight back in the grand final, I think that that's probably the key for me is having that mental strength to being able to fight against massive momentum is, is huge. And then, you know, the, the absolute fucking prolificity <laughs> in front of goal in that final quarter was ridiculous as well. So it's hard to, um, yeah, hard to tip against them. As a dark horse, I'd say maybe oh, – I forgot who even finished top four last year. It was – Maybe uh, maybe, maybe Geelong. Maybe I'll put Ge- my neck Geelong? out. Geelong? Maybe it's their year. They've been aiming for it for about 20, so surely. Well, they have to get it this year. Otherwise, three quarters of their list enter uh, senior <laughs> citizens category next year and they'll be in the retirement home. But, yeah, I think Geelong are priming themselves, but I think they need everything. And, you know, like I said to um, – like I said to, I think it was Terry on, on, on the Blues podcast, you know, Geelong, they, they went and, you know, kept their performances up by uh, bringing in a mid, mid-30s guy in Jonathan Segler and mm. getting rid of a couple of young 21, 22-year-olds. Good to see that they've got their target age group going again yeah. to Geelong. So they have to have everything go right for them. Otherwise, you'll see what happened in that grand, uh, a preliminary final. Yeah. Colmer medalist, do you have someone who's going to be kicking them through the big sticks more than anybody this year? Uh Jeez, it's hard to pick one. Um, I want to say Aaron Norton. I, I think Ooh, that he's North. Yep. Yeah, he's been um, yeah really good with his contested marking and maybe lacked on the finishing uh, a bit. So I, I just hope that he's worked on that over the um, preseason and we, we start to see him kick consistent backs. Do, do you reckon he's got the the um, the fortitude to be that single forward? And why I say that is is that when Bruce was in there, he was almost taking the second best forward. Mm. Of second best backman, sorry. Now that he has to have all the attention put on him, has he got the capability or does he have the the mental strength to take out that number one spot? That's my only concern is he yeah. needs to have that second big guy there to free him up a bit. Yeah, I, I haven't got any worries there. I think that he's shown um, that he can be that guy and can take, you know, great marks against an outnumber um, amount of opponents. But, yeah, it's probably just the consistency in front of goal that would be the only thing working against me there, I think. All right. Brownlow medalist. Oh, it would have been Sam Walsh if mm-hmm. he hadn't recently gotten injured. Uh, I don't know. Apart from that, there's no real other standouts. Mm, interesting. This is the first, like, I'm not sure. Maybe, uh, I, I mean, you're a Melbourne supporter, so I'll say Petrarca. Oh, you don't have to say that. <laughs> he is on the wall behind me. <laughs> All right, I'll go with that. But like, we, we almost saw Gary Ablett win a Brownlow missing I think, the last six or seven games. Yeah, twenty thirteen, I think. Yeah. So yeah. If, once again, if Walsh comes back and everything, like I said, we can smell what the Blues are cooking. Uh, you just never know what can happen on, on Brownlow night. Absolutely. He's a midfielder, so he's guaranteed to get votes. Um, now, who's going to be the breakout player for GWS? So who's going to shine? brighter than anybody this year? Uh, well, I've hyped him up enough, so I'll, I'll lock in Tom Green. Uh, Tommy Green. My, my candidate here. I think 
um, he, he could be an All-Australian calibre player this year. Big call, but I yeah. do like the way he plays. I very much like the way he plays. Okay, who's going to be the breakdown? So who's on their last legs? I'm sorry. Thank you. All the best with your future endeavours. Is this league-wide or um, GWS specific? It can be GWS. And you could even, you know what, let's throw a league-wide one there if that's something that you're thinking about as well. Yeah, well, my answer was going to be Joel Salwood because I just reckon he, he's, you know, his, his injury history of late hasn't been great and it's very clear that he isn't um, backing up his performances as consistently. So yep. he's my bet league-wide. And then GWS, oh, it, it, it'd be tie between Davis and DeBoer. Um, yep. I think like Davis we touched on, but DeBoer's probably as taggers go out of vogue and, um, you know, more of our young mids are stepping up and commanding that place. He might struggle to find a spot in the team consistently. And he's off contract at the end of the year as well too, so it's probably mm. worth – but I, I still think there's room for taggers. Like if they tag someone in that GF last year, it, especially coming yeah. out of the centre, anything could have happened. Well, I mean, who, who do you tag when Luke Jackson's following up? And oh, all right, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But I'd still I'd, – you, you could tag Toby Green. You probably could tag Tom Green. You could yeah. tag – Kelly, you still can. There is, but unfortunately, everything's a team defense these days. And yeah, it makes it harder for seventeen to play eighteen. Now, what's a headline? What's a, a GWS headline? We've got to the end of the season. What's the headline that's going to be for GWS at the end of twenty twenty two? Oh, oh, geez, that's a hard one. Um, I, I'd say, oh, uh, optimistically, like GWS make the grand final against all odds. Ooh, that's GWS optimistic. <laughs> You've got to be optimistic. Yeah. I, you have to have exactly. a, you have to think, you have to think forward. Look, listen, if someone who hosts Lace Out podcast, myself and my co-host, Jamie, the J-Dog Wallace, who's not with us tonight, he backs a Port Adelaide. He has to be optimistic. It has yeah, to be because to be. they're not giving it's, him much else. Especially, especially when if you lived around there. He's exactly right. But, um, you know, when your team hasn't won a grand final for 57 years and you've lived 45 of those, you've got to be optimistic. Yeah. So. Have a bit of hope out there. Now, you're probably listening to this voice, ladies, and you're thinking, okay, if I try and find PM Bangers on Tinder, he ain't going to be there. You need to look up the name of Declan Reeve. That's who we're speaking to here because this guy is an absolute gun. So what are your what are your hopes and dreams on, on, on the Reddit, Reddit thread this year for GWS? Can people find you in other places as well, not just obviously hearing your dulcet tones here? Where can they hear or see your um, your love for the GWS Giants? Um, I'm quite active on Big Footy um, and Twitter, um, particularly in the draft space. So I do a lot of sort of draft watching for both the boys and the girls. So that's probably my niche interest. And if people have heard of me, it's probably from my work there. Beautiful. And what I'll be doing is I'll be putting in his handles in the show notes so you can look him up and say, there's bangers. All right, I want to look up... Um, Declan, as you would prefer not to be called, um, you can find him there as well too. So we'll whack him in the show notes. Not whack him, but we'll whack his details in the show notes. <laughs> hey, mate, I have been absolutely pumped to talk to you tonight. Um, and the reason is is that, you know, when GWS first started, it was the whole renter crowd. There was the, the Hari Krishnas standing behind the goals mm. with their orange flags, et cetera. But now to, to, to finally, because I couldn't get one last year, but to be able to finally speak to someone who uh, actually – loves the club and is um, really passionate about their own club, someone yeah. that's only 11 years old, that's really, really great to see. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything. Keep Just keep 
just sharing the love for your team because oh, thanks mate thanks for having me on I'm, I'm quite honored that you think that oh, I... you should be because <laughs> you know what we you should be because we only do 18 of these and there's only one person who gets to be for literally every club unless they've got mates that they want to bring on the show that yeah. they are so you should be on it now before we finish up i have one question and one question only for you declan reeve aka pm bangers the 2022 season previewer for the Greater Western Sydney Giants. How do you want your footy? Uh, how do I watch my footy? Jeez. Um, usually, usually uh, at the pub. No, how do, you want, how do you want your footy? How do I want my footy? Oh, I'm not getting the visual cue here. No, I told you at the start what to say. Lace out. Oh, lace out, obviously. Yeah. Like, we'll do it like, again. Like Jake how do you, how do you want? Just say lace out. <laughs> yeah. Just say lace, lace out. out. Lace out. Lace right. out. Awesome. There you go, listeners. There's your 2022 season preview for the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Could be an exciting year for them. We don't know what to expect at the moment, but bangers, you're an absolute star. Have a great week, listeners, and stay tuned for the rest to come over the upcoming days. latest episode of Place Out. Head over to iTunes and Spotify to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. And remember, join us every single Tuesday night, 8pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on our Facebook page with yours truly, Christopher Pepper and the co-host with the most, Jamie Wallace, giving you your footy how you want it, Place Out. <laughs>